in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Just happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Hey, hey thanks. We're going to skip our shout outs, I think, today because I have a feeling that we are going to cruise through an hour with these two guys really, really fast. Before we came on air, I've just been chatting with them about everything from gambling to sports to business, charity even. We have we literally hit the we are entire... We are. We are covering a lot yeah, of space. Entire stream here today. Yep. So um, I'm going to jump in with Frank first, and then we're going to jump in with Eric. Frank, um, thank you for coming on. He's the president and founder of USA Sports Gaming. I didn't butcher that, right? No, you got it right. Okay. We got Bet Indiana, Bet Chicago, Bet Colorado, and eventually Bet every single place in We US hope so. Yeah, soon. we're going to run out of states eventually. There's only 50 states, but we're going to try to get in all 50 of them. So tell me what you guys do with USA Sports Gaming. Yeah, so we started USA Sports Gaming a few years ago when it seemed as though the Supreme Court was going to repeal the law that uh, made sports betting illegal. Uh, and the Supreme Court eventually did repeal that law. And uh, as you know, uh, New Jersey, Mississippi, a couple other states started uh, to uh, legalize sports betting. We, uh, our intention is to be a sports betting operator, which means we're the people who are taking the bets and paying the bets and, and generating revenue as a sports betting partner to the casinos. And uh, in the last six months, we signed a deal with a casino in Indiana. So we'll be launching Bet Indiana. Uh, we're about to announce our, our partnership with a casino in Colorado. So we'll be uh, announcing Bet Colorado very soon. Awesome. And then um, hopefully Illinois gets it together and we do Bet Chicago and then every other state, like you said. Very cool. So tell me how you got into this, because this is not the traditional, hey, I'm opening a business or, hey, uh, I went to school to get an MBA and I just want to open something. This is unique and also very cool. Yeah, no, I agree. It's cool. Um, I um, had no casino experience. I had no sports betting experience as an employee or an executive, but I just knew the space of sports betting. And uh, I was told by everybody, you cannot do this. This is a business for the big brands, the casinos, the MGMs of the world, the Caesars Palaces of the world. And somebody small like us um, wouldn't be able to compete. And I just completely objected to that. I didn't think that the casino gambler, the person who goes in and plays blackjack and craps, was the same profile as the sports better. I knew that the product was mobile. It was going to be something that you held in your hand. It wasn't about getting people to get on a bus or get in a car and go to a casino. It was about getting people to play on their mobile app. And I thought uh, I could do that better than the casinos. Casinos are not good at marketing. They still send mail and they use very old techniques to get old betters into their casinos. We needed a, a, a young marketing program to get young people to download the app on their phone and, and bet sports that way. So I knew immediately I could do it better um, or at least have a, a fighting chance against the bigger casino brands. Well, I think I agree with you, and I'm talking personally here. I, I like going to Vegas. I like going to casinos. I mean, I go to Rivers sometimes and lose every single time I go. But I'm, the, I'm gambling on blackjack, sometimes roulette, maybe craps and bad at that too. Some of my friends who I know are watching because I can see they're watching know how bad I am at craps. But I don't sports gamble. I, I guess it's because I'm not the biggest sports fan outside of MMA or boxing or the sports that I watch, auto racing, which nobody I, – I, does anybody bet on auto yeah, racing? Yeah, absolutely. They really do? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I don't, um, but that's probably something I would bet on. Um, so I, I can definitely see that, and I can see how having it accessible to you if you are somebody that gambles on sports on your phone makes it easier. The simplest way to put it, it's easier because the only time I would ever think of gambling in sports is I'd have to traditionally either go get a bookie, which I personally wouldn't trust because I don't know if it's backed or not, or I'd have to go to Vegas and go to a sports book because locally we don't have a sports book. Is that correct? Right, not in Illinois. Illinois passed a bill back in May, um, but they've actually made no moves towards establishing rules or or actually coming out with a with a, a set of laws to govern it yet. So we think 2020 for Illinois, probably the second half of 2020. On the sports book side? On the sports book side, yeah. Okay, interesting. And that would have to be held at a casino? Yes. The way the Illinois uh, law is written, it, you have to be partnered with a casino or a racetrack. Okay. And prior to doing this, obviously you have a uh, passion for sports betting or understanding the, uh, I guess, the numbers or the theories behind sports betting. What were you doing? I was in marketing. So I had a company called Red Elephant Marketing, and we sold print and promotional products and dabbled in database uh, management and that kind of thing. So... It was really that background that inspired me to get into sports betting because I knew that 
Um, sports betting is a very equal product, meaning that uh, if one sports book has Bears minus seven points, they're all going to have Bears minus seven points. So there's really not going to be that much difference between the different products out there. The difference and, and the way to measure success was going to be how many players can you acquire, which is what? Marketing. Right. So I thought my marketing background, and if I could build a team of good marketers, um, which I've done, um, and by the way, no casino people. I brought in a guy from Pepsi. I brought in a, a person from professional sports. I didn't want any casino backgrounds in marketing. I wanted a fresh, young perspective on how to market the product. So, yeah, we, I knew we could succeed, and we haven't succeeded yet, but I think we'll have a chance because our marketing message is a little different than the casinos. And, and my background sort of informed that. Well, you definitely took a very brave entrepreneur step because it's a... You know, I, I say this about a lot of businesses, the path to success is really out there. And yeah, you can evolve things and um, change things within any business, like real estate, for example. I can look at the really successful brokerages or brokers and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to mimic what these guys are doing. You're kind of stepping into a, it's a very quickly changing uh, business, but also something where the path to success isn't necessarily already out there. So you have to be a little bit more innovative with the way you guys are marketing. Um, so kudos to you for doing that, because that's very, very brave. Um, what are the next steps? So right now you have Bet Indiana and Bet Colorado kind of in the works and then Bet Chicago. How do you seek out new markets? Yeah, so it, it, the, the way most markets work is you have to make a connection and form an agreement with a casino. So as a salesman, you need to go into those new states, find a casino, sit down with them, and convince them that instead of choosing FanDuel or DraftKings or one of the bigger named uh, European companies, the, you have to get a casino to say yes to to me, to Frank and USA Sports Gaming, which was obviously a huge challenge at first, especially on the first deal, because we had never done it before and we had no proven track record. So probably the best sale of my career was, uh, you know, the, is going to be these early days of con convincing casinos. Now, we've um, developed a, a mobile product and an app that is as good as any out there. And, and um, you know, we've got the funding. So right now we're shoulder to shoulder with, I think, the best companies out there. But, you know, knowing that and selling it to a casino are two different things. So thankfully, we've got a couple deals under our belts now. And uh, I, you know, the first one's probably the most difficult. And now number three and number four and number five will probably much be much easier. Well, congratulations to you because that definitely, the way you put it, that definitely seems like trying to a knock on that door get the meeting and then succeed on closing on a meeting like that seems like it would be really difficult to do. yeah well i mean essentially we're the only american sports betting startup in the in the country no one else i mean there's mgm there's caesars there's FanDuel, there's DraftKings, and there's us oh good for you so that's yeah that at least at this point that's pretty rare error so we're ha we're happy to be part of the conversation so obviously because internationally the laws are a little more loose is is that where most of these companies end up going yes yeah it's, it's the market's dominated by european companies and that was the other angle that i wanted to take is the american sports better is somebody that i know how to communicate with and i completely object to the idea that some european group can come in and talk to my people the way I could talk to my people. So I've, um, you know, I really would, was pissed a few times when I'd sit in seminars and when sports betting was first becoming legalized and I'd have European sports betting people tell me that you're gonna, we're gonna educate you and we're gonna show you the right way to do it and the way that you guys do odds and the way you market to your customers is all wrong and you know you silly americans are going to soon learn the proper way to do it so if i needed any fire or motivation to get this business up and running i was saying don't come to a place like chicago or the midwest or vegas for that matter and tell americans how to how to do anything and i took that as motivation to say okay there, if I was trying to market sports betting in London, I'd have a really difficult time because I'm not from there. And marketing really is local, right? You need to get in the head of the customer and speak their language and, and sort of uh, present the product in the way that they understand. So um, I, I'm not trying to speak negative against Europeans. I, I prefer to just say positively that we are from the Midwest. So marketing to people of Indiana is in our DNA. And we could speak to them in a certain way. And we, we call games games. We don't call them matches. Right. And we, we, we know the way to, to operate a sports book in the way that people from around here understand. So I think that's going to be our advantage is being a 
you know, Indiana's hometown sports book or America's hometown sports book. I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, and again, not knocking European marketing. It's just very different. I, I think if you take a brand like Coke, even you take Coca-Cola, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm presuming the marketing they put in place for the U.S. market is going to be different than the marketing they put into place for Europe, for Asia, for Australia, South America. I think it's probably going to change depending on your audience. So it's interesting to see how um, you guys are kind of leading the way now for the American side of sports betting. What's the biggest, uh, I know this because I, I asked you off air already, but I don't know if everybody else knows this. What's the biggest um, sport in the U.S. and in uh, the entire world? Well, in the USA, it's definitely NFL football. I think everybody probably knows that. But yeah, worldwide, it's much different. Soccer is the most popular betting sport in the world globally, uh, of course. And then tennis, they say, is number two. So quite a different experience. I mean, sort of proving my point. If those are the two most popular betting sports in the world, they don't move the needle whatsoever in this particular market. So I feel like it's an advantage right off the bat to understand how important NCAA football is and and maybe hockey and baseball and those kind of things. So I, I you know I, I, I'm not saying we're going to dominate by any means and I'm it, 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 I'm not going to make any predictions about what we can do in the market. I will just say that I think we've got a fighter's chance in the sense that we're we have a clear understanding of what the people here like and what helps move the needle for them as far as sports betting products are concerned. Yeah, and just the difference in sports. Obviously, most people know soccer is kind of the biggest worldwide sport, but I had no idea that tennis was number two to soccer. I, I ignorantly would have thought, okay, Wimbledon might be a big betting um, event, but I would have never thought that throughout a day or a week or even the whole year, you would actually have enough tennis to bet on that would make that a popular betting sport. Nor would I have thought that people have enough knowledge about tennis players around the world that they'd be confident enough to, to actually bet on that. So that's that shocked me. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a very American thing. We, right. we sort of understand our borders, and you don't realize that there's 60 or 70 countries out there that support different uh, tennis associations, and there's literally matches going on 24 hours a day throughout the, throughout the world. So okay, after NFL... NCAA football, what's what's next in the U.S.? It's it's definitely NBA basketball, okay. and that's a very fast-growing uh, betting sport, especially amongst uh, millennials. Uh, I don't see it. I mean, I'm an older guy, so I don't see the NBA basketball, especially in November or December, seems a little slow, a little boring to me. But, again, I'm not the target market anymore. It is the younger people who like, uh, you know, the, the, the frantic pace of NBA and the fact that there's so many games on a nightly basis. Um, and then March Madness for college basketball, for at least for three weeks a year, is you know surpasses the Super Bowl. That's bigger than, than uh, you know, the NFL Super Bowl. So, you know, it's very seasonal. It depends on what time of year it is. We get slow in June, July, August during baseball season. I mean, baseball is popular, but not necessarily as a betting sport. So it's definitely NFL, college football, NBA, and then I'd say March Madness. Any gambling tips for us or anybody listening? No, just, I mean, I've always got the responsible gaming people kind of in my ear. And uh, the, the best thing I just say is bankroll management. You know, if you got, uh, if you're going to budget $100 to bet, then bet $1. Bet 1% of what your bankroll is. If you have $50,000 to bet, then bet 500. But unless you lose 100 in a row, that'll keep you in, in, in pretty good shape if you just use a small percentage of your bankroll. And if your bankroll gets a little bigger, then stick with that 1% rule. If you turn 100 into 200, then bet $2. But don't overextend yourself. Yeah, don't, don't bet the entire house on, on gambling one weekend. That's right. Easy, easier said than done. And, well, and I know this because I have a couple friends, one who's watching, I know he's watching, um, who gambles on, bet, on sports betting a lot. And, and he goes and starts to gamble on games that um, you or I or Eric or John might not even watch. And he, he's playing... I think it's odds, and he's doing his research leading up to these games. Um, do you find that that's a, a bigger market of, I don't want to say more successful gamblers because they might not be successful, but more consistent gamblers? Do they start to look outside of the uh, Sunday night football games and start to gamble on games that you or I or John might not be gambling on? Yeah, I mean, the professional better, and, and there are some very good ones out there, um, they come in different shapes and sizes, but some of the most successful that I know 
they're not even fans of the sport. I mean, they couldn't tell you who, uh, you know, I, one of them I was talking to said Andrew Luck from the Colts retired, and, and he said, I, I don't know who that is. I said, you bet on NFL football for a living. You don't know who the quarterback of the Colts is. He goes, I, I only know numbers. So as you can imagine, he has a, has a background as a trader, and he trades numbers. He doesn't care about football. He doesn't watch the games. He couldn't tell you a player on any team because he's not a fan. But what he understands is the difference between three and three and a half, and he knows how to position money on those markets in a way to, to be profitable um, without having the slightest uh, interest or knowledge of, of football. Well, I think a lot of gambling comes down to probability. I mean, even when I play blackjack, uh, you know, you sometimes get a 20. You have, to, you have to stand on that. And you see somebody who doesn't play the book, and they come over and they're like, well, i got to split these 10s. This looks like a good idea. And in their head, they're thinking it wins. But you have to play your odds against, obviously, the, the casino. And I'll, it drives me nuts, by the way, when I'm sitting there playing gambling blackjack and somebody comes in and just starts doing odd crap. Or they hit on a 16 because that's you who just does whatever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but do you win? No, nobody wins, really. Why follow the Why follow the rules? Yeah, I don't know. It drives me nuts when people don't, though. It drives me crazy. But it's it's an odds thing. So I get it. I guess in uh, sports gambling too, they are probably playing smart probabilities more so than anything. No, it's true. And the thing the thing to understand about sports betting, and the reason it's way different than a slot machine or blackjack, is sports betting is a two player game. Meaning, when you're playing blackjack, that dealer doesn't have the autonomy to make decisions. True. He, he's basically a robot. He or she is a robot that on 16 hits and on 17 stays. And the house has built those rules with the math in place that ensures that the house will win. Sports betting is different. That's a two-player game. We hire very talented odds makers and bookmakers who tell you that the Bears are minus four and a half points. Well, they may be wrong about that. You, the better out there might know better than our our person setting those odds. And maybe NFL football is a bad example. I, I was telling you earlier about some college basketball that takes place where maybe the University of Idaho is playing Denver University, and it's possible that the better who follows those teams knows more about that game than the person we employ to set the odds on that game. So you don't have to be better than a computer like a slot machine. You don't have to be better than a math equation like blackjack. You have to be better than another human being who's saying that Denver is a three-point favorite where you may know that they should be a six-point favorite. So that's why it's a, it's a, it's betters can win. Professional sports betters or people who with talent can, can take money from us. Well, that's interesting because if you take that Idaho-Denver uh, University example, yeah, somebody who might know all the players really, really well might know, you know, player John Smith just, you know, he, he had a flu two days leading into this game, and he's normally a good player, and now he's probably not going to have a good game. And that kind of just shifts the uh, the numbers in his favor sure. if he's understanding them. Well, and then the advantage, an and the advantage is you only have to bet that one game. We have to put odds out on every game. Right. So we're, we're literally putting out numbers on hundreds of contests and lots of different sports, including tennis and soccer and all those other things. You don't have to bet tennis and soccer. If you know John had the flu in Idaho, you can just go bet that game and, you know, take $500 from us and then wait till the next advantage. So nobody's twisting your arm to, to, to participate in that market, but we have an obligation to put out lines on every single game out there. And now that gets even more complicated. You, you told me about live betting. Tell everybody what live betting is because that complicates things a, a huge amount forward. Sure, sure. Yeah, live betting, uh, also referred to as in-play betting, um, is hasn't quite uh, been popularized yet in America, but it will be shortly. And it, what it refers to is betting on a game that has already started. So we will actually produce a line that's constantly updated on football, basketball, really every every sport that we offer that you could bet uh, in progress. So uh, you know the Patriots go up twenty-one to nothing against uh, the Cowboys on Sunday. We will put out a new line that'll have you know. Patriots minus 24 or Patriots minus 28. So we'll recalibrate the numbers and uh, plug them in in real time. So you have to make the bet rather quickly. That's why it, it, it works so well with mobile. You go on, you check our line, you have 30 or 40 seconds to get the bet in, and then you're in for the rest of that game. And then a minute later, you want to do it again 
or go the opposite way or, or maybe things are going your way and you want to add a little of that. So, you know, it lends itself to really participating in the bet and the game. Yeah. And it almost makes it kind of a, a, you know, inclusive in the sense that you're watching, but you're also making bets along the way. Yeah, I mean, I guess like in, in that example, if you're down 21-0 and you didn't ex expect that, you're like, well, shoot, there goes that bet completely. But you could go back and bet on a completely different outcome. No, you're exactly right. We could do we could do the over-under that way. We could do the point spread that way. Um, you know, one of the most popular ones was the Super Bowl a few years ago where the Falcons were beating the Patriots 28-3 to in the third quarter. Well, there were opportunities. I think the number was like 11 to one, you could bet the Patriots to win that game. And some people got down on that. Um, I mean, it's a gutsy bet, but it turned out that at that moment, they still thought the Patriots could win the game and they bet on it. And then for the next hour and a half, they, they, they rode that roller coaster and saw that bet come in and they, they had a huge cash on that. Yeah, they must have been really excited on that one. Um, now my hamster wheel is spinning on all the things that live betting might be good for. Auto racing, I was just thinking about that. That you could bet against the second or third or fourth person, and that could change really dramatically really fast. We chatted a little bit about MMA, and that might that's something I have bet on in the past. Um, that's something that you said they're going to introduce that for soon. Yeah, uh, the uh, I think it's the UFC has uh, got a product in the works that they were going to market to sports books where they would sort of control the data. Um, as you can imagine, there's some challenges there. It's such a fast-moving sport. Um, by the time you got your bet in, the conditions could have been you know completely different. So I think, uh, like you were saying earlier, it's probably a good thing to put in maybe at the breaks, right, until the weekend. You have one minute between rounds. So if, if you were saying 40 seconds... Eric, who was chatting with us, uh, our other guest, um, before we came on air, he said, do it when the round ends. That makes sense. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you'll have the, those odds ready to go before that, that round ends, and you'll, you'll post them immediately. And then the, the bettors will have that minute to come on. And it's really interesting story. You, 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 know, you could watch the fight one way and see somebody who's about to win, and I could be watching that same, same fight and say, no, 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 this other guy, he's, he's poised to make a comeback. So... Um, you know, it's not, it's not unlike buying a stock, you know, you might, you might think a stock's going up. I think the stock is going down and, uh, you know, we put our money where our mouth is in real time and, you know, we'll find out whose, whose eyeballs had a more accurate look at what was going on. The gambler me <laughs> wheels spinning every heavyweight fight between rounds. I'm going to start betting now. There, there's left, there's less information on the live betting. So typically bigger gamblers love it. Because there's less information and less telling you what to do from what I've read. What do I, sure. Well, I'm well, gonna, yeah, go ahead. It's an impulse buy, right? And it's it's a very it's a very um, uh, it's a product where you get to be included. You yeah. know, it's not just the two guys fighting. It's almost like you're in that fight as well. I mean, you're participating. You're putting your money in it, and you're you're making judgments on on what you've seen. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not a big, like I said, I'm not a big sports watching guy. I don't watch football on Sundays. I, I watch the sports that I, I, I've uh, been a part of. But when I bet on the Super Bowl, I, I'm like a, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm like into that game because I'm like, I got money on the line. This, this actually matters to me a little bit. Um, I think this might be a good time to bring Eric on, and then we're going to do a little bit of a roundtable. Um, Eric, um, John's looking at me. John, are you okay over there? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, Eric Bayless, he's the founder of the Big Onion Hospitality Group. Um, he is also um, the founder of a charity, co-founder of a charity called Never Had a Bad Day. And um, you're a return guest, so I always appreciate people coming back on to share uh, more <coughs> of their stories and then also show us love again. So thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you. Um, tell me about what's going on with uh, Big Onion. You guys have new restaurants coming up. Tell me about Never Had a Bad Day. Tell me about everything. Yeah, so ba basically... Uh, Big Onion Tavern Group is what was founded. I actually joined that about 10 years ago. And since I've taken it over, we, we kind of made a decision with the directors and the uh, top managers to kind of focus more on food. So we uh, changed our name to uh, Big Onion Hospitality, which mainly just was showing our emphasis that we're going to put a lot of money behind this. We're going to change a lot of our social media. We're going to change everything because we're really into food. It's really what we're doing now. Awesome. And uh, you guys have Center Street Chicago. Center Street Kitchen. Center Street Ch Kitchen. Tell me about that. So Center Street Kitchen is our first uh, true restaurant, if you will, uh, where we really focus on the food first. Um, that kind of developed from 
restaurants are really, it's really a tough industry right now. Yeah. So just with everything going on and, and the margins becoming smaller and smaller and smaller, that I really felt that we have to do something different. So what we wanted to do was kind of uh, focus on an experience rather than just a restaurant. So one, I, I mean, we really think that we're almost at the level of Michelin star. Our food is that good. So we hit the restaurant and the service points and all that, which we've always done. Uh, but more importantly, we have the, a give back feature. So what we wanted to do is really, I, I guess rolling it back was I was at Thanksgiving dinner with my wife's family and cousin John kind of sat back and said, let's go around the table and tell every, everyone tell something that you're appreciative of. And which is how society's going and, and with um, just how the world is and with all the negativity. It was really something that kind of sparked my interest. It was really cool because there was 13 people at the table and I might have been number 11. So I waited till it got to me. Yeah. And my, my five-year-old was next to me and he said something that maybe got me emotional, you know, and it was just really cool experience. And it didn't matter anything after that. It was just, it changed kind of everything that happened up until that point. So basically I took that idea and uh, met with my team and, and really, so when you sit down at Center Street Kitchen, here, here's an example of the menu. I, I saw, so I was gonna, I, was, I didn't wanna interrupt, but I was going to uh, mention this because I looked on your Facebook and I saw this cool note that sat on a dinner plate and I'll show it to people, John, in a second and I'll also read it out. It says, to start your experience, we ask that you please put your menus down and go around the table telling each person something you appreciate about them, which I love because I feel like dining has got to a point, and, and I'm guilty of this. I have it up, John. Can you, can they see it? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, I'm guilty of it. I get to a restaurant, I grab my cell phone, I pick it up, I'm on my phone half the dinner, um, and it sucks. But if I go to dinner with mom or dad, yeah. dad's always like, can you just put your phone away and be present for a second? So I love to Yeah, so it acts as dad, if yeah. you will. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how when you see people read it, the people that kind of try to ignore it, the people, but then it's right in your face and everyone looks around. And it's been a beautiful thing of what happens from that point forward. Very cool. So our, our servers are, our servers have will walk over, make sure they see that, take their drink order, and then they just give them some time. And it's been, I mean, everything from crying to hugging to – you know, some people don't take it completely serious, but it, it's pretty amazing. But you see a complete difference in that point forward. Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I can imagine when I when I saw the photo of it, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I wish I could just like do that. Yeah, I would put the phone away and just like have that moment with my dad. Like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I wish I could just like have that moment with my dad. I think it's so different when you have like a kid with you and you're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I wish I could just like have that moment with my dad. Okay, yeah, we'll just keep going. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, the people that are more outgoing, the people that are more like myself, if you will, they probably get more out of it Yeah. than the quiet person. They stop and shut up for a second, right? <laughs> and, and they sit around and you act. And, and I think that's a big problem. We you know, complain about politics, complain about everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's really look in the mirror and like life's not that bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what are your best moments and memories? I mean, I read your Facebook last night. Yeah. And you sat back and reflected, right? Yeah. It's if you just sit down and if you did this every few hours, which none of us will do, right? It's crazy. You would actually appreciate. You would always be positive. I hundred percent agree. I mean, I, yesterday was a reflective day for me. I and I actually didn't even know it was ten. It was ten years since I opened my law firm to the day, and uh, I didn't know it until I went to the uh, remind me on Facebook yeah. thing and I scrolled down. And I said, "Heck, it's been ten years. It's been a decade," and um, I reflected back on how many people have done such incredible things to get me to where I was. I mean, it was the first guy to let me rent a little bit of office space. You know, Mr. Camelli, thank you. Uh, he, he's a Facebook friend, sometimes watches. You know, he rented a little office space for close to nothing because he wanted to help me out and he had a bigger law firm. You know, going forward to everybody that's kind of touched me along the way. But you're, yeah, you're most appreciative when you reflect back on things. And this is awesome. And, and what a great way to start your meal with people. in. The idea of breaking bread with somebody or spending time at dinner with somebody I think is really, really important. And what a great way to start that process by reading this. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's a lot deeper than even that. It's a matter of if you think about all the best memories you've had in your whole life, they've all been planned. Yeah. <laughs> they've all, you, you took time. I, I even go as far as saying the key of every relationship is taking decisions out of the other person's hands. Like, I, I mean, I would have 
I think I'm becoming a pretty good husband. I have the best wife ever, but if I stopped and pulled over, all of us, if we stopped and pulled over before, before we got home and thought about what we would do and take all the decisions out of our significant other's hands, better example, you're going on a date with someone. You and I sat here and we planned every single point of it, from what she's going to wear to where we're going to go to where we're going to sit to every single plan. And if you ask her out on a date, if she doesn't ask you what to wear, don't tell her. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but as soon as she doesn't have a decision, I mean, that's what a relationship is. It's really taking time to love them when they're not there. Right. And I think that's something that this really kind of just focuses on. And it's actually been really cool. It's actually been probably a lot more powerful than what I thought it would be prior to opening. You have a shout out, Luke and Mickey watching. Hi, Daddy. Awesome. Yeah, you got sure the people best. watching. Um, Mick, Mickey's probably not watching. He's, <laughs> well, yeah, these threes. Yeah. He's, hey, he might be watching. He no, can see you. Um, probably thumbs down. Give me. So obviously, this was a little bit of a different endeavor than what you were doing before. Um, enjoying it? Loving it. Loving it. Loving it. It's also an, it's also the the other whole side of it is the giving back. So. It, I, I w I'm very thankful for us having the uh, Big Onion Hospitality and kind of the whole group and, and the whole upper level management and actually all the even hourly employees that we become successful enough that we could do something like this. So yeah. it, it's it's really kind of awesome. It's two prong, which guys, if you were gonna no no go ahead yeah it's two prong, which we have a give back feature as well, and the give back feature is really um, basically all of our walls are white, and going back to the point like we don't realize how awesome our lives are and we're negative. You think about how much time you spend a day, even myself, I'm not saying I'm perfect. How much time you, you look at Facebook and you just get caught watching other people's arguments or them arguing yeah. with each other about like, especially right now, yeah, right, <laughs> with strangers and talking about politics. They don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> they read an article and if they think pro this, then they've already decided what they're thinking before they read the article. Yeah. All absolutely. of us, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nuts, right? You have a lot of preconceived thoughts when it comes to politics yeah. and government. Correct. How many times have you read an article and been like, oh, that changed my mind? Yeah. Never, Never anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, there's also a lot of clickbait and a lot of BS that's Correct. written. Correct. So basically, the give back feature starts with all the walls are all white. And for $100 suggested donation, so whatever you can really afford, uh, the non-for-profit we started, never had a bad day. Uh, basically, the money goes directly there. You can get the name of someone that has either fought cancer, is fighting cancer, or has passed away from, from their fight. And it's pretty amazing. You can get their name, you can get the type of cancer they had, maybe a little message, anything. And the design is pretty amazing. So if, um, if you guys look at uh, Center Street, centerstreetchicago.com, look at the uh, pictures. I mean, it's pretty awesome when you see it because it's not that big. So from far away, you don't notice, just like you don't know what someone's going through in life. Right. And it's been pretty amazing. The goal is to get 70,000 names up in the walls, 70,000, 80,000 names, which would be seven, eight million dollars raised. We have about uh, 1,800 so far. Well, count, so, count me in for that as well. Awesome. I'm in. I, I, my grandma battled cancer and count me in. What an incredible thing you guys are doing. Tell us more about Never Had a Bad Day uh, as a whole. Yeah, Never Had a Bad Day was, it, it's uh, the phrase is something I just always said with uh, growing up a little bit uh, in, uh, right outside of Philadelphia and um, not having struggles here and there. It was just something that I always noticed that the positive attitude puts you ahead of someone else. Something that, I mean, I've went through my struggles. I've never, haven't always done the right thing, right? <laughs> but I've always, something that I've always said, um, kind of all the, all the pieces aligned with someone else that's on the board, with a few people on the board, and it was time, let, let's, let's really start this. So <laughs> what, basically what we do is we help families that are, that are going through the pediatric cancer kind, kind of uh, <laughs> system, if you will. So basically if, if your son or daughter gets uh, diagnosed with pediatric cancer, what happens is, is unfortunately, I think the, the statistics are 55% of them get divorced. Wow, well, that's a shame. Over 50%, one of them loses their income. And basically what happens is there's a lot of money you can put into research and everything, but the people going through it right now, their lives are just, they need help. So what we do is, uh, never had a bad day, we help these families with everyday struggles like their mortgage or car payments or even parking, anything like that. And our goal, our mission is to help one person every day for the year. So 365 days a year. So, well, incredible. Thank you. That that's, um, I've had you on before. We obviously know each other now. Yeah. Your positivity is infectious and taking all of your success and now, um, working on something that I know you're very passionate about, but also spread such an awesome message. You walked in here today, said, how you doing? And you said, I've never had a bad day. 
And I feel like far too few people do not put in perspective how good life is for them until something unfortunate happens to themselves or a loved one. And, and even then, um, we, we've had folks on, on the show who, who've gone through struggle and just kept the positivity, and that really is infectious. Um, we had a guest on one time that told me a fact, and he said, if you can afford to buy one cup of coffee a day, set aside this, we're in the 1%, 99%. You are in the 1% of the most privileged people in the world. If you count everybody throughout the world, and I think people don't, and set aside being sick or not sick, and if you're healthy, the, the moment your, your health goes away, perspective settles in really, really fast. I have family members dealing with health issues, and their perspective change, even positive people's perspective changes very, very quickly. But I think people need to step back for a second, have that mindset of, I've never had a bad day, and, and keep perspective. And in the place. thing that I struggle with is that um, when I start doing that, I would just like people to see how awesome it is it's not for like it's an addiction and we talk about i love to gamble i love to do things i love i have an addictive personality but giving back and helping others like it's awesome yeah. it's actually it's actually the best addiction i've ever had and that's what i mean it makes you feel good and doing things and it's it's what life's about because and like just like you said it's why do you wait to go to a funeral right to forgive them or do this like that's bullshit or why do you wait to sit down to have dinner before you become appreciative? Exactly. And, and it's like, and then life's not that bad. I remember after I opened Center Street, I called a buddy of mine, Keith, that hopefully is listening. And I called him and said, one of my only friends that had a falling out. Um, I called him and said, you know what? Look in the mirror. And I apologize. He's actually, I'm actually going to see him in December. Um, and and my, my dad, I, I never knew him my whole life. My wife said, I mean, their kids want a grandfather, you know? I called him, gave him a chance, you know? And guess what? So when I die, I'm not, I'm not going to have that. Yeah. And it's awesome. People don't realize it's really, really cool to do the right thing. Well, good for you. You got another shout out from good friend of the show, Lauren Stunning. He said, love the positivity. It makes all the difference. An optimist and a pessimist can have identical lives, but we'll have very different things to say about it on their deathbed. Love Eric's message. Inspirational. Mahalo from Hawaii. He's always on vacation. so he's <laughs> he, he, he enjoys life so, a yeah. lot, too. Thank you, Lawrence. Thanks for watching from sunny Hawaii. Bring us yeah, back some you. warm weather. Awesome. Um, Outside of obviously coming to your restaurant, which everybody should do, and donating there, how else can somebody donate to Never Had a Bad Day? Uh, I think right now, I mean, financially, we actually have a pretty good residual system going on. And I know it sounds crazy. Like, of course, if you want to give your money to us, I mean, nhpd.org. But what I would want is an email. Okay. I want an email because, I mean, I have a buddy that he's a very wealthy guy, and he used to always just write checks and write checks and write checks. And finally, in the last couple of months, he did something amazing. I won't get completely into it. And we introduced him to the people it was helping. And now he's addicted. Right, right now, like, like I want to show people the addiction of actually giving and helping people because it's cooler than everything else. And it will, that right there is what's going to stop. People aren't just going to listen to this and say, okay, I'll be positive tomorrow. Right. They're probably complaining right now about uh, the weather. They're complaining I'll tell about you everything. What, you may have changed one or two people's days into more positivity, well, I think. Well, yeah, well, that's it. It was just, just try. I gave this challenge. at We, we did a, uh, a fundraiser a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I kind of made the challenge. I'm like, it's very difficult, but for one week, just try to just be positive. Even start with a day and keep going. Like, And it was right before it was going to snow or something like that. And I'm like, tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and bitch at that, but it's probably your fault that you live here, right? It's yeah. probably, ultimately. Yeah, ultimately. You're stuck here now, but whatever. Right? It could move to Vegas. Yeah, like, like your boss stinks, but guess what? You have to, like, just be positive with every single thing and see how your day goes. And it's pretty nuts. I mean, once you start seeing it, you'll start laughing. So when you say send an email, how do, what do you mean by that? Send, send an email. There, there, there is a nhbd.org. Okay. There, you can click on the link there to contact us that way. Or myself, it's e Bayless, B E B A Y L I S at nhbd.org. Um, either way, send an email. Tell us that you want to get involved. Okay. I mean, we have all kinds of opportunities to get involved. We have all types of, of different ways. Just well, what we really would like is people's time. Because right now, that, that's the biggest struggle. It's very hard to run an organization. I run a bunch of businesses, but when it's all volunteer and you are not paying them, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So that, that's really what we want. Like take time out of your day, which is the most important thing to actually, we have plenty of things to do to say that you actually really want to make a difference rather than just writing it on your Facebook saying, I want to be a good person. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to, people who are listening, you got a Hey Bayless from Brad Fox too. You're a popular guy. Um, I'm going to send you an email and count me in for that. I, I want to stop by and, and, and check the place Please out do, and yes, have the food yeah. to begin with. 
Uh, where exactly is it located for people listening? Well, we're right on Webster and Magnolia. It's about a block away, a block east of Clybourne. Okay. Uh, right in Lincoln Park. So great location, just an awesome neighbor neighborhood location, right next to uh, Oscar Meyer Elementary School. And how many establishments total in Big Onion now? We have ten total. So. Holy smokes, you are a busy guy. Yeah, it's we enjoy it though. That's the thing with you, and it's. I can tell you're positive, obviously, that this, this is not something that you're doing just to do it. You have a real passion for it. But you got a family. You run 10 different locations. You got a charity. How do you, how do you manage time? Consistency. I mean, just sit back. And it's, um, it's definitely difficult. But at the same time, I mean, you have to make goals that are clear cut. And there's a lot of times where it's just I have a schedule. My wife and I probably the, I, I legitimately have the most amazing wife. But at the, our biggest struggle is I'm, I'm like, you have to have time management. So what we do is we have a schedule. And if it's 8 o'clock and I'm not done my emails, I'm sorry. Yeah. 8 to 9 is this. 9 to 10 is this. And ultimately, as Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say, is like sleep less. Yeah, sleep less. Sleep that's less. one of my like, favorite. Sleep, sleep faster. My, <laughs> yeah. Sleep faster. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. It's just sleep. I, I get anxiety when I sleep. So I, I sleep a very limited amount of time. But How many hours? Typically like three. Holy smokes. Yeah, I mean, just typically, I mean, average probably two and a half to three, but sometimes I'll sleep four or five. But at the same time, think about how many more hours I have than you do. You sleep really fast. Because I'm like I a six really hour. Fast, yeah. I'm a six hour. I'm really good at it, though. Yeah. So I used to personal train in college a, um, a sleep doctor. And oddly enough, he used, to, he used to tell us that three, six, nine hour time, like basically every three hours. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but he's a doctor, so I'll take him, <laughs> yeah, right. for, take him for his word. He knows more than I do. Um, you you uh, cycle through sleep cycles typically. Like that, that's about the time you cycle through. And if you're going to sleep four, sleep three. If you're going to sleep you know, five, sleep six, um, because you wake up more fresh after three. I have no idea if that actually yeah, works. I, but now that you said three hours, you're just basically like that. I think kids should sleep a lot. And I think as you're older, you do a lot less and you're kind of just sitting there. So if I'm going to die sooner, well, at least I have more hours awake now. Logic, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I never graduate college. So they know more than me for sure. But, but it seems like you're yeah. getting by five. You're, it was more to answer that question. Yeah. You're a high energy guy. Yeah, and how, yeah. how can I be? I mean, it's just how can everyone be? Are you still doing the wrestling? The coaching I am, wrestling? yeah. So co coaching uh, the Main South Theater program, which is – is awesome. I mean, as you know, as a as a wrestling background, wrestling kind of got me to where I am in life. Just the one on one aspect of it, refusing to lose, and just like kind of going after it. So I'll always be a part. Of that community is that's probably my number one thing, other than my family. I mean, that's definitely probably my biggest passion is just showing those kids that no matter what level they're on in life, it's kind of just work harder, and you can be the best. Frank, is there, uh, and I'm going to bring Frank in, we'll do yeah. a little bit of a roundtable. Yeah. By the way, we got on one side of the table this saint who's giving back to families <laughs> with pediatric uh, cancer struggles. And are you going to ask me more questions about making my fortune in Bulgarian tennis, booking bets? I mean, I'm happy to talk about that. If it makes you feel any better, as I was saying, that I just put a bet in. So. All right, perfect. All right, good, good. You got a perfect customer here. Um, and you were in the market of giving people drinks, and now you're giving back. Correct. I think, I think you guys are going to kill it. On the gambling side, and then all that giving back from all that money that you make. Um, do people bet on wrestling? Because I feel like I'm just going to get inside odds from you and then bet on your platform on the wrestling side of things. Well, definitely not uh, WWE and right, stuff right, like right. that. That would be but very co interesting. College level, like uh, collegiate you, sport wrestling? You know, um, Indiana came out with a list of approved sports for betting, and, and college uh, or amateur wrestling's not part of that yet. Interesting being that it's in the Midwest. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I, I do think that they're dipping their toe in the water first, and then they'll expand later. But uh, I haven't seen much much wagering on on uh, wrestling, not yet. We're a small community, though. <laughs> yeah, but it's because in the Midwest, it's actually at for sure. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen it here and there. I've seen the NCAA's. Yeah, there are certain well, may, sites maybe will for have like it. the big big the big big I'm events guessing. for sure. But it's. Probably a lot of unknown athletes. I'm guessing, and, and this is more a question uh, for you, Frank. Obviously, when you're looking at college level, do you go to high school as well? No. So, no, I don't think there's going to be, and, and rightfully so, there will be no state that allows any sort of betting on high school sports. Okay. So, But on the college level, it, you, you're, whoever's putting out the odds, they have to do quite a bit of vetting and research on the teams and the players, where I think in wrestling – it's probably more difficult to do. They're just not as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely probably the biggest thing. I mean, at the end of the day, 
that side of the business. I mean, it's pretty awesome. The business it's, they try to get it 50, 50 and make the money on the VIG from my understanding. Right. But an individual one-on-one sport like that would probably be the most difficult thing to, right. uh, to handicap on from our point of view. Heavyweight boxing is one thing. Everybody knows that sport and, and, and you know, that's, that's professional amateur wrestling. Uh, that would be, we'd, we'd really be challenged to come up with a good line on that. And if we did, it would probably be very low limits, right? Yeah. $20, $25, something like that. I feel like heavyweight boxing would be the best underdog betting sport being that a heavyweight boxer just has one punch. He really needs to be able to win. So remember like the, craziest betting odds ever were Mike Tyson versus Bust, was a, Buster, Buster Douglas, right? Yeah, 42 to 1. Yeah, and he ends up pulling it off because you got a puncher's chance as a big heavyweight boxer as a pro. Will we ever see odds like that again in anything? Oh, yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, you'll, you'll, um, you'll see some huge upsets. There was just one the other night where uh, Evansville College in Indiana beat Kentucky. Minus thirty two and a half, was it? Yeah, I heard. I heard. Yeah, no, yeah, it was. It was a huge upset and uh, something that you know just you could not predict. So, yeah, there's. Listen, as long as there's two teams playing, there's going to be teams with huge advantages over others, and it's sports, so you never know. My uh, again, because of my sports ignorance, I think back to like Ronda Rousey getting knocked out by Holly Holm, and that uh, the odds I think on that one were like twenty to one, and she ended up getting knocked out, which is crazy. Um, Favorite vacation spot? I know this because we send out questionnaires to our guests. Vegas still? Yeah. I, I mean, is that considered a cheesy answer these days? No. It's I, probably my second or third favorite spot. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's great food, great pools, gambling. Um, I love hotels and some of the best hotels. And, uh, you know, I think I've made it clear I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, going to Europe and, and those kind of things. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very basic Florida, Mexico, Vegas type of guy. Uh, I'm actually with you. I'm kind of I, I, I've started and again, Lawrence is watching is a good friend of mine. And he uh, he constantly beats it over my head. Like, can you stop going to Cancun in Las Vegas? Like you go to two spots and that's it. And I'm like, listen, it's a three hour flight to Cancun. It's the same time zone. I get there. It's all inclusive. I eat. The sun's great. The beaches are awesome. I just go to Vegas because I've never had a bad time in Vegas. Never happens. And it's whether I go as a couple, I go single, you have shows to watch, like you said, great restaurants, um, I gamble a little bit or a lot. Um, and everything's awesome. Yeah, so I like going out. Time. I, I um, now that Celine Dion has retired, every time I went with my wife, I'd have to go sit with her and, and sit through that show. Well, so now that she's out of town, I'm, I'm more apt to invite my wife to come with me, so I don't have to sit through that two hours of Celine. She's how many times have you seen her? I don't know, five. Five. Yeah, five. And, and it, the funny thing is, all five times she said it was the greatest audience. <laughs> she's ever had so i happen to be at the five shows where we were the best audience best she's audience. ever had so crazy uh, she's coming to chicago december december 2nd or 1st yeah i know i have to I, are you I, going to that I, too i don't I, I think i'm gonna buy the tickets and then give them as a gift so i don't have to go and try to find somebody to, to go with her you can probably don't, sing donate them to never had a bad day there, there you go, there you, go. <laughs> um, you can probably karaoke every celine dion song then yeah, do you, you want to do that? or Listen, you can. John, so John yeah, has a I'm going to say no on that one. John has a knack of cutting those clips and then tagging them to American Idol. So I That's sang him awesome. Happy Birthday once. I made this mistake last year. And then like three days later, the clip's cut. And he's like sponsoring the post, tagging anything singing show related. I'm like, you son of a gun. He's trying not, to get you a contract. Yeah, I, not me. <laughs> Anytime I have enough tequila, I'm a great karaoke-er. I don't know if that's even a word. Should be. I'm it is gonna now. call Frank and we're gonna do Celine Dion since he knows all the words by heart. All right, I'm in. Deal. I'll help with the tequila part of it. <laughs> tequila part. <coughs> yeah. Provide the tequila. What's your favorite place to go? Uh, I'm big. I'm, I'm not big on leaving the country too much anymore. Okay. Um, had a travel down to Brazil this year and had a had a, just not the best the best uh, experience. It was a UFC fight down there. Was oh, there you went for. with Clay? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so. It, I mean, like I said, Mexico is fun. My wife doesn't like travel, uh, being in the plane for longer than three hours. So to tell you the truth, I'm from Philly originally, and the Jersey Shore, I mean, I've always had a good time. I mean, vacation to me is putting your phone down, spending time with the family, and really just kind of like being with friends. And we, we uh, go to the Jersey Shore every, every two years. I think we're scheduled this next summer. And I get a house down there for a week and just have friends from Philly come in. And that's kind of vacation to me. It means a little bit more right now. Awesome. When you went down to uh, Brazil, that was Claver's BJ, right? It was, yeah. 
That's a tough one because you can't not be a BJ fan, and Clay's your good buddy. So yeah. it probably obviously rooting for Clay. You can you can not be a BJ fan if you read the. Uh, oh yeah, I guess if you read what's happened recently <laughs> yeah. with BJ. Yeah. Um, I, I just I I hated that he kept coming back. Yeah. It, it was like almost like God, guys, please well, not let him be his worst enemy. That's more UFC things. Right. The UFC, they're, stop not making, it. they're not making enough. They're not making the fighters aren't making enough money, and these guys have been there for them. I mean, it's kind of, that, that's going to change. Though. I mean, as yeah. of right now, you're going to see. Not really a union, but you're going to see certain agents and whatever else getting 15, 20, 30 fighters so they actually can actually stick up for him. He's loaded, though. I think from family. I think BJ is Correct. Really yeah, I think it's more from, I don't really know the whole thing. It's from family, and then he's marketing himself great. So yeah, He's been around forever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when they put him up against Clay, I'm like, oh, he's going to get ragdolled. This is like not even a gimme yeah. fight for him. I mean, that was a, that's tough. Yeah, it was tough. It was, uh, it, it, was a, uh, it was a good fight, though. I mean. Clay came out on top, but I mean the whole experience in Brazil was just a little different than I would would guess. Aggressive, yeah. It's just more. It's just more. It's a dangerous place. I mean, the most beautiful place I've ever been. I mean, I've been all over the world, and it's just more dangerous. I mean, the government's a little bit crooked. It's. Yeah. I mean, you're told when you walk out of the hotel. I mean, UFC fighters have been have gotten into trouble there. Just just from. I mean, basically they tell you to put your your cell phone away when you walk out of the hotel. Interesting. Because I mean the poverty in there. I mean that to them that cell phone is worth more than they make in a year. So it just, it just wasn't for such a beautiful place. It's just sad that, that there it's really that dangerous. And you got to just be careful the whole time. So other than that, I mean, I mean, it's just beautiful city. I mean, the UFC did a great job down there. So, I mean, the fights were great. So. I'm guessing that when a big event comes in town too, the crime probably in those areas skyrockets, knowing that people Abs are coming. With yeah, money. absolutely. And that makes it even worse. Right. So it's, it's really, so back to vacation spots. It wouldn't be, it's the same thing. I mean, just like uh, Mexico used to be, Go down there, have a good time. Now you hear all these horror stories, and who knows what really happens, right? I mean, they right. probably try to hide all those stories. It's like New Orleans. Did um, were the fans different? Like we we're just talking about different audiences in sports places. Were because you've gone to UFC events here. Yeah. Were the fans different down there than they they're, are here? They're more into it. I compared them to almost Philly football fans or, or soccer. I've been to a lot of big soccer matches. It's they. It's a part of their life, right? Where Chicago, the great fans, man. I love the Chicago fans, but it's 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 a game, which is probably correct, right? <laughs> Yeah, in Philly, Philly football. I mean, it's part of your life. It's you go to church, you go to Catholic mass on Sunday morning, and then you go to Eagles football. I mean, the priest actually says, "Go Eagles!" Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's it's just a little bit different than, and that's how I explain Brazil. I mean, they they just it, it's part of their life. So it's definitely. I mean, their chance. I mean, it's pretty intense. So it was really cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, we talked a little bit again with um, with Frank about the knowing the market. And yeah, with sports, it, it changes. And you're talking about even in the United States, like the market changes a little bit let alone leaving the U.S. and going out of the U.S. into Me like Mexico. They had the UFC fight in Mexico where um, they called it with the eye poke with um, Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's throwing shit in the, in the octagon. I mean, it's like, nuts, that doesn't yeah. happen in the U.S. Not at all. <laughs> so, I mean, just the price points, everything. Like, as you explained earlier, the marketing is just completely different, what people want. And it's why, back to everything, it's why you can't really compare yourself to other people because you don't really know what they've been through and you don't know how they think. Yeah. So... So no more Brazil it's, UFC fight nights for you? Uh, no, I think I'm going to pass. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. going to pass in the next one. Clay, got any fights coming up? I haven't. I, I spoke to him a few days ago. I think he's training. He's out in California right now. Actually, he's back here with uh, wrestling with, with uh, Montini, helping out with that program. So I think he's waiting for his next one. I think he has another one left, one or two left in his contract. So Very cool. Yeah. And he's kicking butt. He's, his career has been so long, and he's, he's still kicking butt. Yeah, he's the best, man. Good friend of mine. He's just a good person. So he's just kind of. Moving into different endeavors as well, so I mean, I wish him the best, and he'll he'll do fine no matter what he's doing. Awesome to hear, and Frank. So tell me, as and I knew we we're gonna zip right through an hour here. Um, how do people find you? How do people find the app? Is the app ready to be downloaded, or is that to come soon? Yeah, because Eric's gonna download it as we're, as we're sitting. There. I've been searching for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing to understand about the sports betting in this country is you're gonna to have to be inside those state lines in order to make a bet. So for Bet Indiana, we have uh, all the companies will have geofencing technology, which means that you might be able to download Bet Indiana, but you won't be able to make a bet unless you're inside state lines of Indiana. So what we've put together in the meantime is a site called Bet Indiana News. And that's our own team of editors and sports writers who cover the world of sports betting. So it's a great way to sort of understand the market and what's about to happen when Bet Indiana launches. Um, we've got that same thing with Bet Chicago um, and then soon Bet Colorado News as well. So while we're waiting to launch those products and those once those, uh, you know, we get approval from the Gaming Commission, 
Uh, you can go to Bet Indiana News or Bet Chicago to, to read content from our writers. Awesome. And you'll let us know on those um, on those sites when we can download the apps, begin betting. That's correct. Yep. And the app side of that, uh, that crazy geotagging of where you can't be out of the state, you guys probably have to have a, a, also how quickly everything updates. You guys have to have spent a ton of energy, time, and funds to get apps that are actually user UX friendly, and for those that don't know what that is, user experience friendly, but also uh, effective. That that's a big undertaking. Yeah, there's so. a couple good providers out there. So when it comes to payment processing and geolocation services, things like that, there's a couple very very reputable brands in the industry. So we outsource a lot of that work to them. But yeah, you're hitting on something. We are, and it kind of goes back to my casino versus mobile argument. We really are selling a technology product. It's, right. it's that more than anything. Yes, it's gambling, but it really has to be an app that's user friendly and workable, and and you know is is uh, uh, something that the consumer is going to want to play with on a daily basis. Yeah, and and I again, hamster wheel spinning while speaking with you, thinking about how much thought has to go behind making that friendly for the person who's just on their phone and attention span on a phone. I. I, I just started having a background in uh, in app development space through one of our own projects. Uh, people's attention spans are very, very short. So if they don't have the ability to look at your app, understand what they can do, get to what they want very quickly, you lose them fast. Whereas a casino, like you said, they come in, you know, the casino's there. It can be a slow, old school, laborious uh, marketing process. You guys have to be very, very quick with good user experience. You're exactly right. Plus, we also have to appeal to the the you know the guy who bets all the time right. um, as well as the novice so our our platform needs to be friendly to both where yeah if you're if you know exactly what you're doing you can move through it pretty quickly but we also don't want to shorthand anything so that if you are new to betting um, you can go on there and have a user experience where you can understand what you're reading and how to make the bet so yeah that's a challenge is sort of uh, playing to both of those markets yeah, it's incredible how much ground you have to cover from the business side of things to the legal side of things and then now the marketing side of things. It's, uh, again, kudos to you and congratulations because that is not easy. I've always been uh, big on reading about businesses and successful people because typically they will give you the path to success. In yours, you almost have to innovate so many of those steps that A, it's risky, but B, it, it seems like it's very, very fun for you because you have a passion as well for what you're doing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I hope it starts getting fun. I mean, I, I think sports betting is fun, um, but you know, as you can imagine, building a company like that, it's lawyers and gaming commission and technology. And um, like a lot of business owners, uh, you know, you get into business for one thing, which is taking bets and being involved in sports. And sometimes the pathway you know, probably in the restaurant business, by the time you actually serve that first meal, you've gone through Absolutely. paperwork. Your, your and, job's done when the door's open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's when the fun will start. So I, I can't say that I'm having a ton of fun right now just because of the, you know, I, I like to make decisions very quickly. And I like to not review um, uh, documents. I, 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 I get people to do that kind of work. And, uh, you know, all you get are objections. You can't do this. You can't do that. So. Um, I like to say if if I had all these advisors with me when I had this idea, they would have told me not to do this. They would have said this is a terrible idea and this is too risky. So now that we've got um, you know some contracts and some success, it's a it's a very fine line between trusting the gut that got you here in the first place and listening to every piece of advice from accountants and lawyers and and gaming commission people where they're you know trying to sanitize and protect every move you make it you know being an entrepreneur is risky business sometimes so um you know I, i've heard some of the other guests on your show it's I've, and they've said that same thing it's hard to balance when to trust your gut and, and take a risk and when to be conservative and trust the people around you to to you know sort of temper your your riskiness I was about to ask you, because we always do, and like you said, you watch the show, we always ask for a piece of advice. You, you just kind of hit a very large piece of advice. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I mean, I, again, I was a little hesitant to come on this show because I don't consider myself some big-time genius businessman. So I guess the best piece of advice I would give is surround yourself with really smart, talented people. I mean, if, we, if this conversation went longer and you really got into what I know, you'd be shocked to know what I don't know. It's, there's, there's a ton of stuff about 
you know, business that, um, quite frankly, is not my skill set. But I would say the piece of advice is if you have one or two really strong skill sets, and I'd say that mine was sort of the vision of what the sports better wants, I think that's enough. I, if, if you have a great idea and uh, sort of a passion for following that idea, you can partner with people and you can hire people to fill in all the areas that you are not an expert in. And believe me, with me, there's a ton of areas that I'm not an expert in. But I don't think that's any reason to not pursue something or not um, you know, take a risk in a business like that. So uh, you know, if you're asking me to give you details about every part of our business, I'd be the last guy you'd ask that question to because there's so much I don't know. So what I'm saying, my, my piece of advice is just because you don't know a big chunk of what you're about to undertake, that, that shouldn't stop you. I love that, and I think you're you're selling yourself real short. And I'm I'm going to say this because one piece of actually we've got this piece of advice a couple times, but I've heard it even before I was uh, doing the show with John was know what you know, know what you don't know, let the chef do the cooking, and don't think that you know everything. And I think one of the largest uh, downfalls for some entrepreneurs are they think they know everything, and they set out with this mindset of um, I'm so. Um, so close to the idea and I also believe I'm right a hundred percent of the time and then eventually they that's a rude awakening but it's refreshing to hear it from you I think I think you're a a, a, a very good business person B um, an entrepreneur by definition but also C it's refreshing to hear from you that you have that mindset of listen I just don't know some stuff I, I say that all the time I'm I suck at a lot of things but I'm gonna go ahead and find the people who are really good at the things I suck at and then bring them on the team because if I think that I'm good at everything, I'm gonna fail. There's gonna be places where I have holes I need to plug and it seems like you're already doing that. So I hope that when you are uh, very, very successful, you come back on the show again and be a second time guest like Eric has been. Um, I, Congratulations again. Yeah, uh, thank and, you. And great advice. That. Yeah, and I don't mean I'm glad, to be you, so... I'm glad you came on because I, I think that was uh, one of the more refreshing pieces of advice because nine out of 10 people watching probably are terrified of starting a business because they think they're not good business people, but they have great ideas. And I think your piece of advice of take your idea and run with it and have passion for it is really, really important. Yeah, and I don't mean to be so self deprecating. I mean, I've, there's, I, I know some things about some things. And it's just the idea. There was a clear idea, and I knew Americans were different than Europeans, and I knew a mobile app was different than a casino. And that was just the bedrock. That was the foundation of everything that we did after that. So, yeah, you can go, you can go get people who specialize in those certain areas, um, but you know, one, one good idea can, can carry you, I think, to a successful business. Well, I love it, and I, I can't wait to uh, watch the apps launch. Uh, obviously, I can't. Sometimes I'm in Indiana. I guess I could get to Indiana and bet real fast. I drive kind of fast. But when Bet Chicago launches, I will be dabbling in the MMA, maybe auto racing. Now that I know you guys do that, and sometimes I'll give Eric a call and there take some gambling tips from this probably, guy. Probably a good idea. Eric, <clears throat> thank you as well for coming on. Uh, you've always given us a lot of good advice for listeners, but uh, you can repeat what you said last time. Give well, us no, something yeah, just, new, whatever. Just, just to build off of what you said, I mean, it, your big thing. I, mean, I, I love hearing that. It's be aware of your insecurities. We're all insecure. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but I mean, fail, fail a lot. I mean, I fail more than anyone, right? I mean, I fail all the time, but it's all right. It's yeah. really, really life isn't that bad when you fail. And it's crazy to me because I don't consider myself the smartest person, the most talented, but I'm not going to lose in anything. I'm going to work harder and fail and fail and fail. And it's crazy that I see these smart, intelligent people that are afraid to take a chance. Yeah. It's like, if you fail, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really not that bad. And guess what? Look in the mirror. How do you become better? Because your insecurities, all of us have them. Yeah. Every single person has them. I think if you're not failing, you're probably not trying hard enough. I say this all the time. If you haven't failed, you have not tried hard enough. Yeah. I'm with, I mean, what do you, everyone listening, think of their biggest success, right? Their biggest success. It was hard. Yeah. They didn't think they could do it. They had to sacrifice something else, but they had a clear cut expectation, whether it's graduating college, whether it was whatever it was, right? Well, then... Do it. Just keep doing it. And it's it's from the little kids' books that you read, the little train that could. All it works. Yeah. All the quotes that people write on Facebook, they don't do them, but they're all right. Sure. <laughs> so I mean that that's it. It's just just do it, and, and it's be positive, and, and life isn't that bad. 
and it's uh, the idea of uh, I take this from Tommy Choi, and I always give him a shout out for this because I, I listened to him one time at a he, he was given a a speech, and he said, "Fail forward. If you're gonna fail, yeah. fail, learn from it, and then move forward from it. Don't fail backwards, and then let that stop you from what you're doing." And you had said it earlier in the show. You said, "Just be consistent," which I love too. You know consistent hard work and not stopping at failures, eventually you will be successful. And to point on that, I mean, something I say all the time, fail forward. It's like, don't believe in a fallback plan. <laughs> I mean, it, I like that. It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, with anything, I it's like just you, you're already, people don't realize the, what they're gaining in experience and everything while they're doing it. The same reason why when you sit down at, at Center Street Kitchen, we make you stop it. You don't realize how awesome your friends are. You don't realize how great this experience is, what I'm learning, what I learned from you. But like people don't realize that if you start learning that, it's not that bad and life life isn't that bad. Instead, people consume themselves with the other side. Just stop, right? Just stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna reread this again because I don't know if we were having a little bit of audio uh, we problems were. when I was actually reading this. And John, if you have any questions, I don't want to cut you off either. Uh, I always forget to ask John to ask questions and I feel like a jerk. Um, but when you go to uh, Center Street, is this at every table when you sit Correct. down at Center Street? Um, there's gonna be something on your plate that says, to start your experience, we ask that you please put your menus down, go around the table telling each person something you appreciate about them. I think it's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen at a restaurant. Um, what you guys are doing with the charity aspect and the giving back at the restaurant, I think is unbelievable. Uh, I ask anybody listening to please check it out. Yeah, and check it out and become a part of it. So Yeah, congratulations exciting. on Thank that. You. Thanks for having um, me on. I, I love that you guys are not just continuing your success, but again, with never had a bad day, giving back constantly. I'm inspired by you every time you come on. Um, I'm inspired by looking at your Facebook, and I appreciate you taking the time to come back and uh, chat you. with us. And you sleep faster than everybody yeah. I know. <laughs> John, got anything for us, buddy? No, we're all good. Um, thanks again to our guests. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we hit, like we said, basically everything from gambling to restaurants to uh, success, business, uh, charity, everything in between. So thank you guys. Um, Frank, can't wait to see you back on. Uh, good luck. Congratulations. And Eric, thanks again, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, next week is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we are not going to be on air. We're going to take a week off, so we'll be back in two weeks, uh, which is already December, which is insane, um, at 3 o'clock Central. Uh, check us out later tonight, though, on uh, the Off Market Show. John and I are going to be live at 7 o'clock on mm -hmm. Facebook, so check us out at 7. And that's it. In 3, 2, 1.